Hi, and welcome to episode 90 of the Studio Insider Art Podcast. This week, I'm connecting with US-based author, artist, and life coach, Andrea Scher. Andrea guides women to feel more brave, joyful, and vibrant through her innovative use of creativity as a springboard for self-empowerment. Her new book, Wonder Seeker, 52 Ways to Wake Up Your Creativity and Find Your Joy, straddles the world of creativity and mindfulness, playfully inspiring readers to live more vibrant lives full of presence, joy, and connection. Ah, doesn't that sound delicious? Andrea and I discovered that we have many parallels in our lives and our conversation ranged wide and deep through mental health, fertility challenges, and how she got her book deal with HarperCollins. I hope you enjoy this super inspiring conversation with a truly generous spirit. Hi, this is Susan Nethercutt and welcome to the Studio Insider Art Podcast. In these episodes, I throw open the doors to my art studio practice and how I run my business as a professional artist. Whether it be candid insider chats with my studio assistants, Laura and Steph, or interviews with other creatives, or answering listener questions, there is something here for every emerging artist. I hope my journey can help you feel a bit more at home in your own. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today, Andrea. You've been on my radar for many years, actually, since the beginning of my own journey as an artist. I know that you're a coach, an author, a photographer, and quite the multi-passionate creator. Can you start off by telling us a bit about your creative beginnings and the kind of art you make? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. And yes, multi-passionate is exactly right. I started off as a painter, as a child. I painted a ton. I, I drew and I painted and took photographs and choreographed dance routines. And it was just, I lived and breathed creativity. And then of course, I forgot all about it all through high school and middle school. And then it was only when I graduated from college that I kind of like woke up again to that part of myself. I had graduated with a degree in economics, which was very practical and made my parents really happy. And then I thought, okay, I'm done with that. And now I get to start my creative life. And so I picked up painting again, because that was my first love. But then I ended up being a jewelry designer. As far as a business went, it was something that just kind of found me and there was a lot of ease and flow with it. Um, and love, then, I love hearing oh, you say that because I started out yeah. with jewelry too. I love that. Yeah. Yes. You know, I found for, for me, so I was just making jewelry for fun and people started stopping me on the street. Like, Hey, where did you get that? So I started carrying my necklaces in my bag. I had like practically like a trench coat full of necklaces. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow, these are really fun and easy to sell. And I get to play with color and I get to use my hands. And it felt like the painting was so, so lofty in a way. It was like big pieces and they were expensive. And, you know, I didn't really get to feel a big connection with the people mm. that I was selling to. So yeah, it was like, it was much more intimate for me and, and it was fun and meditative. Yeah. And then, you know, there's always been this thread of personal growth throughout my life. Like I'd been reading self-help books since I was a kid and I 
met my my who was going to be my my mentor sark who did this beautiful blend of art making painting and personal growth and i resonated so much with that and i just knew that my path had something to do with with folding those two things together and i yeah. wasn't sure exactly what that would look like but yeah but the coaching kind of came in as as a tool and as a way for me to hone that that part of me oh beautiful I so relate to everything you're saying I've had Mm. very much a journey that's been intertwined with you know the self-help and the self-development and um sucks amazing she's your mentor lucky you (laughs) I know oh my god there's how did that happen oh my god I was gonna say there's a great story I'm happy to tell so the very abbreviated version is that my friends and I in college we we would play this game where we would div- do divination with the dictionary. And we discovered it sort of by accident. We were playing that game Balderdash with the dictionary. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Or that one. And we started asking silly questions, like as if it was an oracle. And then the dictionary started giving us these answers that were like very appropriate to the questions. We're like, that's strange. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so I, I learned later that this is, there's a name for this. It's called Bibliomancy. And right. Can, I've never yeah. heard of it before. Yeah. People back in, I don't know, a gazillion years ago yeah. would do this with the Bible and the Quran. It was like, it was right. a place where people found spiritual guidance by yeah. you know, just randomly choosing a page or a passage. And okay. So cut to, I'm in San Francisco. I had, I had just moved there and I was selling clothing and doing painting on the side but I was getting very tired of it and thinking, oh my God, I I need to get on, on my path. Like my job has to really reflect my path. I can't just do this forever. Like just sell clothing. And so I asked the dictionary, give me a word for something I should be aware of that I'm not aware of. And I opened the dictionary and I pointed and the word I got was Sark. You're kidding me. I am not kidding you. I, <laughs> I was like, oh my so God. Cool. And my wow. friend who was with me was like, what's a Sark? And I said, it's the name of an author that I've always admired. I even wrote her fan mail. I admired her so much. Wow. And I pull her book off of my shelf to show my friend and I open it. And the page that I opened to in her book said, if your work isn't your dream or leading to your dream, quit sooner rather than later. Wow. Yeah. So in that (laughs) moment, I thought, okay, I am quitting my job selling clothing. I am going to find this Sark person because what I wasn't aware of is that she lived in San Francisco and now I did as well. Right. And so the next thing I had to do was figure out how to introduce myself to her and and convince her to hire me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole other story. But within three weeks I had found her, we, we had a meeting, we fell in love with each other immediately. And then I worked with her for about seven years. That is amazing. What a fantastic story. Firstly, I love the bit where you went from jewelry to clothing because that's exactly what I did too. And I had a clothing business for many years before Ah. I followed my dream and went to painting. So that's the first part. But the second part, oh my goodness, what an incredible unfolding of finding a mentor that is so completely aligned with 
what you do now and who you have become because that, mm. that totally makes sense that you've worked with her when I, I mean you're very different in the way that you appear in your your visual essence but the actual essence I get that I can see that yeah. connection between you two for sure yeah and it's been connection. such a such a beautiful full circle moment because she wrote the forward to my book and it's it's I've known her now for 25 years and it's just I just How beautiful. I feel so grateful yeah that's yeah. wonderful. Uh, what a wonderful introduction to this conversation. Thank you mm. for sharing that story, Andrea. Uh, you're so welcome. Hey, I wanted to chat to you a bit. You've had an award-winning blog since 2003, which is like way back in the baby times of the interwebs, Right. the superhero journal. Can you share a bit about how this came about and how it's helped you establish your creative business and also how things have evolved for you with that? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, as you can imagine and, and know, back in 2003, it was a much quieter place on the internet. And most people didn't know what blogs were. And we called them online journals. And they were really that they were, you know, people like me who were, you know, often creative people like artists or writers, and they were just sharing their thoughts publicly on the internet. And I when I started mine, well, a friend of mine who was much more savvy than I was, she saw what I was doing in my visual journals and said, you know what? You're a natural blogger. I'm going to set up a blog for you. And you're going to start doing that with your photography and your writing. You're going to do that online. And I thought, okay, that's a great way for me to continue to explore my photography and my, and my writing in a way that is like, you know, a little bit public. But what I didn't know is that because there were so few people doing it, I was getting so many eyes on my, on my work and it just, and then all of a sudden my jewelry business was doing really well. And I thought, wow, that's so interesting. I wonder what's going on. And it took me about a year to figure out that it was the blog that was driving the traffic to my jewelry. And it was really just like the spirit of, of creativity and whatever they were getting from the writing, they actually were buying the jewelry because they wanted a little piece of that. They resonated with something. And then the jewelry became this sort of talisman and this like object that they could hold that held that energy. Oh, how beautiful. And this, you know, this is quite amazing because this would have been back when we didn't really know the power of blogging in terms of marketing. And I mean, because what you're describing is something that's we're all very well versed in now, but this would right. have been before anyone really realized that you could do that. Yeah, exactly. In fact, people warned me not to, because they said, you're revealing too much and that isn't professional and you need to like be more professional. Right. And yeah. And so after feeling ashamed for a little while, I thought, you know what? I don't believe that. Like, I think I'm doing more good than harm to my business. So yeah. I'm going to keep going. A true trailblazer. Yeah. Like mm. definitely you had your finger on the pulse of where things were moving to. Right. I think living in San Francisco at that time was, was super helpful because yeah. it was just, yeah, we were just surrounded by people who were, um, yeah, doing really interesting work. Absolutely. Hey, you also have a creative, the Creative Heroes podcast, which is fabulous, where you interview, you just get to do what I do, which is talk to all the people that inspire yes. you, which is such I a know. treat. And you've had yeah. that for a couple of years. Can you tell us about how that compares with having a blog and, and what you're enjoying about having a podcast? Mm. Well, like, as you know, I get to 
meet, meet my heroes sometimes through my podcast. I get to get excited about someone's work and then reach out and say, Hey, like, I'd love to interview you. And it's almost like asking them out for tea and getting to sit with them and have a deep conversation. And that is so exciting to me. I'm, I'm a bit of an extrovert and I get a lot of energy from chatting with people. And so on that level, it gives me a lot of energy. And also it's such a nice break from talking about myself, which I'd been doing for like 17 years at that time. Right. I was like, oh my God, I'm so tired of talking about myself and my life. And I was going through for a lot of years, I was going through a separation and a divorce and it wasn't something I could talk about publicly because it wasn't just my story. It was his story as well. Yeah. And my kid's story. Yes. And it's interesting, isn't it? How, you know, it's, it can be good to be, have both as an opportunity to express through, but there are times when you, you just want to step back and be in your own experience and not be publicly sharing about what is going on with you. It's important yeah. to have space for both. Right. And I think we all need to kind of navigate that and negotiate that uh, because we're all content creators now in, 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 in our own way, even if it's just on Facebook or whatever. Right. Absolutely. Yes. No, I can completely relate. I've been going through a bit of an unfolding journey myself over the past few months with being diagnosed with ADHD. And oh. it's something that has, I've actually let that one unfold pretty publicly because uh, I think there's tons of artists out there that probably can relate yeah. to what I'm saying. And, and a lot of undiagnosed women that are older, such as myself, that may be going through it. But, you know, I haven't, haven't right. gone places mm. until I've felt like I've processed them myself. And I think that's the trick if you are sharing really personal content. You've got to, be, you've got to know when the appropriate time is for you to express what you're expressing because sometimes it's still a bit raw and tender right. or, or, it or it is intertwined with someone else and it's just not timely or appropriate. Right. And if you're looking for approval from an audience that you don't know from, from strangers, yes. essentially, then like, it's nice if you get it, but, but if you're relying on it, that's a dangerous yes. moment. If you're that vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. And you have to be okay with that outcome. Totally. Yeah. Um, so similar to you, I also blogged about when I started taking Zoloft because I had a generalized anxiety for like probably decades before I was willing to take any medication for it. But then when it started, I realized that, okay, I have to, I have to do something about this. I can't just mm -hmm. do yoga and drink kale smoothies, you know? Mm -hmm shame that I had about being on medication was sort of exercised by sharing it online and making it an offering and making it a gift maybe to someone else who feels ashamed that they're taking medication or, you know, or feels embarrassed by their own panic disorder or anxiety. And so I know, you know, people still find me through that one blog post from all over the world. It's amazing. Hey guys, are you loving what you're hearing on the podcast and craving a bit more from my studio? Then consider checking out my e-course trilogy, Painting as a Practice, playful classes in mixed media painting designed to nurture your authentic style. If you're a beginner painter or seeking some fresh new approaches in your art, then check out chapter one, Laying Solid Foundations. 
or if you'd like to learn more about my ways with colour and mixed media art supplies, then Chapter 2 is a great option. And if you're seeking to really hone your creative style or learn how to create a series of larger works on canvas, then Chapter 3 is a brilliant option. Each chapter is just $77 US each, or you can pick up the discounted bundle of all three courses for just $219 US. To learn more, be sure to head on over to the link in the show notes or susannethicutstudio.com forward slash online dash classes. I'll see you soon. Wow. I love hearing you share about that because... Yeah, I have we have so many parallels, it's crazy. I had a really similar I've had a really similar experience in my life. Yeah, having taken medication, you know, not until my late 30s for anxiety and insomnia after a long, long stretch of um not being able to just being so obsessed with solving it naturally that I wouldn't allow myself to go to the place of medication. So I completely relate to everything that you're saying there. Yeah. Right. Gosh. Yes. I've done it in, I did that also with my infertility journey. I, for three years, I was trying to get pregnant and I would only go to acupuncturists or shamans or intuitive healers yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I was like really into that. And then it still didn't work. And then finally I had this coach say like, aren't you angry? Like I was really depressed for a long time around the infertility. And once I got angry, it was like, it was like something shifted in me and I got this fire and I was like, you know what? I am angry. And I took this entire drawer I had of like herbs and green teas and all this stuff. And I threw it all away and I called the IVF clinic and I didn't actually end up having to do IVF. I did something called an IUI instead. But it was like, it worked the first time. It was, yeah. it was all I needed was just this one little bit of Western intervention. And I was so resistant and I made myself so sad about it for so many years. And, you know, it's not that Western intervention solved everything all the time, but it's a tool that I just wasn't willing to reach for. And it's, yeah, it's interesting, right? It totally is. And again, I'll just tick that checkbox because I too went through fertility treatment. Oh, you did? Oh my God. We're like parallel lives here. We do. (laughs) We actually do. But yeah, same story. It's where we're very similar. I did IVF actually, but did get Mm. pregnant with my daughter the first time around. And then my second child was a miracle baby that I didn't think I could conceive naturally. But, you know, and it's the same story. with the whole Western medicine versus holistic medicine, you know, there's this thing out there where we're led to believe that they, they're in, they're separate and they can totally be combined and be supportive of each other. And just because you embrace medication, pharmaceutical medication does not mean that you can't be super well supported by other alternative therapies as well. And that's, that's a, that's something that I live in my own life. And I'm so glad that I went through those experiences because it's taught me that I can hold both and that embracing one does not mean rejecting the other. And that actually holding both is such a powerful combination and, and also has just done so much for my general level of acceptance of people's choices in life, you know, like, 
Um, That's exactly right. Because if we're judging this in someone else, then it means that we can't be with it in ourselves. Mm. And, and also our, our identities can get wrapped up in, in a certain thing like, oh no, I'm a, you know, I'm a natural girl or girl, whatever. I don't do that. That's, I, that's not what I do. And I find that when I'm doing that, it's a little bit of a red flag. It's a little bit of like an ego thing, like, oh, I should get curious about that. What's, Mm. what's going on there? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's so much divisiveness going on around the world at the moment, particularly with the pandemic and vaccinations and all kinds of opinions about that, that it's so important to be able to be understanding and respectful of everyone's position on that and to know yourself enough to know what's right for you and be accepting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I didn't expect to go down that road, but (laughs) apparently we've been living the same life, you know. We have. (laughs) I love it. Um, So, yeah, that was actually something on, on my on my question list for you, there was something that I'd read on your website that I wanted to read out aloud if I could and just get your reflection on that. And you said, I'm a mum, but for a long time I wasn't and I wanted children so badly. Blogging about infertility showed me that I wasn't alone. Photography shifted my perspective both literally and figuratively. And I'd love if you could speak a little to that journey, Andrea, and how your art helped you through that time and transformed you. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. So during those years that I was, you know, going through infertility and had miscarriages and was trying to conceive, um, one of the only things that always helped was I would take my camera and I would walk around the neighborhood. And it wasn't even my phone at the time it was an actual camera and I would walk for hours in San Francisco just looking for what's beautiful what's interesting what juxtapositions of color look cool to me Ooh, I like the texture of that wall and the way that the paint is peeling and it was just like it was such a beautiful way to drop into presence and step into what was true, what was real, what was right in front of me. Like I thought of it for a long time as the kind of distraction from my, my, the swirl of my chaos in my head and my anxiety and all that, but it was actually dropping into presence. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts that art offers us is this sort of meditative space, this place where we're connected to ourselves really deeply we might even feel connected to spirit in a really beautiful way. And it's a celebration of, of color and connection and a kind of reverence for life. And I think that was the seed actually in a lot of ways of my book, because my book is called Wonder Seeker. And that's what I was doing on those walks was I was simply holding this question and by holding my camera as well, it became a creative practice. But this question of like, what's beautiful or interesting about this moment? And that shifted everything. It really was a different lens to see the world. God, I could go on and on. As uh, Tate, I'm but- really enjoying listening to you talking about it because oh, good. I've, been re- I've actually been reading a bit about this lately, a bit more broadly. It's coming at me from everywhere. I've been reading a book by an Australian author called Julia Baird called Phosphorescence. I don't know if you've seen it. It has an incredibly beautiful cover. And 
she talks about how one of the most important things we can do as humans when we're feeling challenged or down or in the depths is to seek awe and seek it often. And I think there's so much truth in that because as you say, at the, at the bottom of it, the essence of it is you're connecting to me. This is how I feel about it is I'm connecting with the divine. I'm connecting with that spirit inside of all of life. That is just a complete miracle. And yeah, I, I, yeah. I love hearing you talk about that and, and how your book is connected with that experience in your life. So tell us a bit more about the book. Because that's coming out pretty soon. Is it the 16th of November? Yes, exactly. Soon. Uh, exciting. So tell us about the journey of the book. I mean, you've already told us a bit about where those seeds were sown all those years ago. Uh, but tell us about how it came about and what's inspired you and all the things. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, the book is kind of a, a culmination of, of 20 plus years of of trying to feel better in the world. So, mm. you know, we've got, I've got like, you know, a lot of it was practices that help me soothe my nervous system and, and feel better in my body. And, you know, I think the well, definitely the Zoloft helped at some point when I, when I did take that, but I think I'm one of those seeker spirits and very sensitive creatures and, I, you know, I vacillate a lot, you know, I, I get depressed. I go through sort of ebbs and flows around that. Notably this practice with my camera is, is the kind of gratitude, I guess, for me, it's like, it's like the artist version of a gratitude practice because I'm so visual, but it has me sort of catalog like, okay, what's working because we're always scanning for what's not working. We're scanning for what's wrong. And this is in large part due to how our brains are wired. So there's a neuroscientist in Berkeley where I live named Dr. Rick Hansen. And he talks about this thing called the negativity bias. Oh, yes. And this is how our brains are wired from. Have you heard of that? I have. Yes, I have. Yeah. So because we used to be, you know, chased by tigers and in, in real mortal danger, we had to scan our environment. Like, okay, are there any predators? Like what's wrong in my environment? And we had this sort of vigilance, but we're still living in this kind of vigilant state all the time. And our bodies are not calming down and we don't have the same dangers as we used to. And so you can actually train your brain to feel more joy by affirming these other states. So for example, Susan, if like, you know, you look at one of her girls and you see her gorgeous eyelashes and you're like, oh, she's so beautiful. And you just have this moment of gratitude. You can put your hand on your heart and say, this is joy mm -hmm. or this is well-being, or this is contentment or whatever feels like the right word for you. But if you can, I say, put your hand on your heart because that somatic connection helps rewire the brain and it releases oxytocin, which makes you feel even better. And if you can sustain that feeling for 
even like 30 or 60 seconds, it helps deepen that groove and that neural pathway. And then the more you do that, either by doing something like I did on these photo walks or just having it be a practice, like when you notice you're in a moment of well-being to just note it, then you, your brain can more easily go back to that state. And then you notice that your happiness level has actually increased, like your set point can actually move. And this is also exciting because, right, because neuroplasticity is like this, this thing that scientists discovered mm-hmm. like sort of recently. And so, so I think that's kind of where the intersection of creative work and really wanting to be someone who helps people live a more vibrant, juicy, you know, joyful life that where those things kind of intersect for me. Uh, That is so beautiful. And I think you've just encapsulated in your description there, the process, I think that a lot of artists are in a lot of the time without Mm. being able to perhaps articulate it in such a profound way as you just have I think we that's one of our natural gifts as creators as creatives is our ability to notice and be with beauty and cherish it so I love that you've you've created this book is it a combination of of your words and your photographs is that how how is it what does it look like Oh my gosh. It's full color, which is my dream come true. It's full of my photography and little personal essays and activities that anyone can do, whether you're an artist or not, but there it's really like, it's kind of like putting on your wonder goggles. It's like, okay, people, we're going to put on our wonder goggles and we're just going to live. You know, I kind of, um, I joke that it's a little bit like muggle world and magical yeah. world, <laughs> right? Totally. So it's like, let's step out of muggle a little bit and create this habit of seeing the world through more magical eyes because the world is indeed magical, right? We see that yes. in nature. It's magical. It truly is. And yeah. I love that you're helping people to see that more because I do think there's so much medicine in that for so much of what ails us as a society it's so simple to get out for a walk and to open your eyes and your heart to the beauty that surrounds you and it's so and yet we all fall into habits where we don't do that and yes exactly Mm. exactly and also like one of the chapters so I I kind of use this very broad definition of wonder so one of the chapters is called the wonder of connection and it's all the activities are about you know, how do we go deeper with people we love and have more interesting conversations and experience magic with other people? And yeah, so like even this conversation that we're having, because you, you know, got curious and got really present and you're asking me really good questions and you're listening so beautifully, we get to have this really just kind of like almost a flow state, creative state right here. We are. And it's interesting because prior to this conversation, we did actually have another 15 minute conversation where our technology failed us. And I felt like like that was actually perfect because when we got on the second call, 
I think we realized the kind of conversation we were able to have together, even though we've not met before. And I yes. it just went in a completely different direction that was straight was, deep dive. Yes. It's beautiful. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. yeah. We're like, we got all the, the, the superficial stuff out of yeah. the way and now we're, we're going in. <laughs> going yeah. Well. And that's what I'm all yeah. about too. Oh, it sounds like such a beautiful book. And, and I did see a snippet of it on your website and we should let all our listeners know that uh, they can go and pre-order the book on your website if they would like to get their hands on it when it comes out. Yeah. If you go to andreashear.com slash book, you'll find everything you need, all the links. It's it's on Amazon. It's all the different places. Yeah. yeah looks beautiful. And look, you got a you got a book deal. Was it with Random House? Harper Collins. Harper Collins, sorry, the other one, the competitor. Whoops. Yeah, the other one. Yeah. <laughs> now that's I mean, that's amazing because they're quite a big yeah. publishing house. How how did that all come about? Can I ask about that? process of how the book came into being from, from yeah. that side of things. Yeah. I, I love that you asked that. Cause again, I know that so many people listening are people who with book dreams and creative yes. dreams that look like that. So, and this is useful information. So people had told me over the years, don't, you know, don't overly design, you know, or illustrate your book proposal because, you know, publishers want to sort of imagine their way into your idea, blah, 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 blah. So I'd always put my gazillion book proposals in like a Google doc or the equivalent of a Google doc. And I would always drop in images and stuff, but it was just kind of this thing. And I had never gotten past the sort of editorial meeting stage at a publisher. And one day I was playing around in Canva and I thought, if I download an ebook template and I create a book proposal that looks like the book I want to make, I bet that would be a lot more compelling. And I don't care what people tell me to do. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so I went into Canva and I got so into it. It was so fun. And I designed out this whole proposal with the table of contents and everything. And it looked exactly like the book that I had imagined. Wow. And and I was sharing it with a friend because I was so excited, like, oh, check this out. I made this thing. And uh, do you know Kelly Ray Roberts? I know her. I don't know her personally, but yes, she's another person that's yeah. been very influential in my life. Yeah. I love Kelly yeah. Ray. Yeah. So I shared it with her and she said immediately, oh my gosh, I know who I need to introduce you to. So she ended up introducing me to an agent who I ended up working with. Oh, wow. And so it was really just uh, out of my excitement and sharing this sort of breakthrough I had with this proposal where I didn't even know who I was going to send this proposal to. I just made it. That was this very lucky sort of um, wonderful thing that happened. And then in the end, you know, even though it was Harper Collins and they have this big design team and everything, um, they went with my proposal as the, the style guide for the book. They loved wow. it so much. So I got to basically design my entire book, which was really kind of wonderful for me because, you know, I, I don't know how you are, but as a creative person, I know exactly how I want yes. it. And I didn't want anyone to get in my way very much. I love that you <laughs> so, just did it. You just did yeah. it on Canva and it worked out yeah. to be. Yeah. And I, I think there's so much merit in that. You know, we were all told a million things in our creative businesses. This is how you do it. This is the system. And honestly, just go with what feels good in the moment and is going to allow you to express most fully because that's what's going to capture the energy and the essence anyway. 
That's so, exactly right. Oh, that's perfect. What a lovely, lovely story. And so Thank when, you. when did, how long, what's the time frame been like? I'm always curious to know, because it sounds like books take a really long time to come into the world. Yeah. So what happened for me is that I started working with this, with the agent and she gave me a lot of coaching around the book proposal and how to make it better. And so as we were in that process, I was really lagging and I was lagging so much. I mean, months were going by and the, you know, the, the agent was like, do you still want to do this book? Like what's going on over there? And, you know, it was, again, it was this sort of divine timing. So by the time I finished the book proposal and she decided, you know, and she decided to shop it out, we were a month into lockdown or quarantine as far as as COVID it was 2020. And that was the moment a month into quarantine was exactly the moment that my book resonated for people. Exactly. Yes. It was like, oh, that's the medicine for this moment. That's what we all need. Wonder. We need to step outside our door and know that there's all this beauty and all this goodness and all these things that are working inside a totally upside down world. Yes. Perfect. Totally perfect timing. Isn't it really just the truth that things that are meant to happen, happen and the right people come into your life at the right time? Yeah. And I should also add that I'm turning 50 the same week that my book comes out. Ah, isn't that perfect? It is perfect. It's so perfect. And, you know, I was, you know, 20 years old writing a book, like the, basically the same book I was writing it at 20. And I always thought, it would happen sooner. And then after, you know, 20 plus years, I was like, okay, maybe it it won't happen. And I started to make peace with that. Like, okay, maybe that's not going to happen. Yeah. So it's a testament to, to like, you know, our big dreams are alive in us and maybe they'll take more than a lifetime to accomplish, but we don't know what that exact right timing is going to be. Yeah got to let go of our own view of how we think things should unfold there's so much so much wisdom in that I'm learning more and more about that all the time yeah and what a beautiful testament to your 50 years I love that it's coming out at the same week that's lovely thank you and oh and also I should also add this because this is important we were talking about anxiety and, and Mm. nervous systems and all of that. And, Mm. you know, I think what's, what's really beautiful about the book coming out now is that I don't think I could have handled the visibility back then. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I could have sat here and talked to you about the book and the way that I'm talking to you with as much like depth and understanding of my work and all the rest back then. I, I really don't. So yeah, yeah, I really I trust. You on I that. really trust it. Yes, because mm-hmm. it's you know you've got to bring the medicine to yourself before you can bring it to other people as well. So right. you, you know you want to be an embodiment of that message and and really right. truly embodying it in a holistic way. And yeah, I can yeah. completely relate to that. Oh, what a great story! Hey, did I see somewhere that you had authored or co-authored another book on photography or something at an earlier stage? Yeah. Yes, I did. I was part of a website called Shutter Sisters and we would all blog on this website about photography. And then we co-authored a book together. And yeah, I guess I don't count that as like, I count this one as my first book just because it's, it's mine and it's my stories and all of that. But I did do the chapter in that book on portraiture because that's my specialty and that was wonderful. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Oh, thanks for sharing so much with us about the journey of the book. It's so wonderful to hear always the stories and miracles that lead to people doing what they love. So that was super inspiring to hear. My pleasure. Now, we share a few friends in common and you've just, I believe, moved into a studio space with some of these people. And I'm talking about Mady Rose, who I've I've had on the podcast and also Lily, who I know. So tell us about your new studio and how that's come about and what that's looking like. Very, I've seen photos. It looks beautiful. It's been on, it's, been on Instagram. Uh, yes, it's super beautiful. Yeah, we had a studio. There was a group of women about, I don't know, about 10 years ago, maybe. And we had a studio in the same building. And it was a different constellation of people. But I was part of it for some portion of that time. And, and then now we kind of, we all looped back because we've all been working at home and, you know, like all of us. Um, but we were, you know, Mady lives next door to me. I'm so lucky. So Mady is one of my best friends. She lives right next door to me. Mm. And so she's one of the only people that I've seen for the last two years as we've been yeah. in quarantine, but I felt like my mental health was, was, you know, fading a little bit, like just kind of pacing this house for two yes. years by myself. So yeah, so it was really an opportunity that came up and we tried to gather as many women as we could to fill the space because you know, it's expensive space, but, but we pulled it off and now we all get to be together. And, you know, we're hoping that the Delta variant is sort of passing us by for the moment and we won't, you know, won't have to worry so much about that, but yeah, who knows? It's a little bit of a leap of faith, right? If there's a new yeah. variant, then we'll have to be masked in there and that will be a bit of a bummer, but it feels great to have somewhere to go and people and company. Yeah. I think company. How many of you are in there? Seven. Oh, that's a lot of people. (laughs) It's a lot of people. I know. You know, when you live in the Bay area, things are really expensive. So of course um, we don't get as much space. It's like New York city or something. Yeah. And so how are you organizing the space? Are you just dividing it up loosely or how, how's it going to work? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So there's different sort of, you know, different chunks of the space and, you know, the sort of prime spaces that are bigger and by the windows, you know, they pay a little bit more. So it's just sort of like divvied up that that way. And because I'm in a season where I'm, I'm really doing, you know, a lot of interviews and marketing for the book and all of that, it's really mostly a co-working space for me. It's not necessarily a creative space, but, um, I'm just so grateful for, for somewhere to go. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I think we've all learned the value of outside our homes over yes. the last couple of years, haven't we? So yeah. I hope that you guys are able to really get in there and enjoy that for for the Thank whole time you. you're in there. How nice. And I love that you've, you know, you've been able to see and recognize that for your own mental health, you needed to do that. I mean, so much yeah. about our mental health is being, you know, just remaining close to ourselves and observing ourselves and how we're tracking and and just knowing that it can be like sometimes really simple things like seeking wonder and then sometimes really big, bold moves like, you know, doing what you've done with your new studio space. But, you know, our intuition can always lead us to the right medicine. And sometimes mm. sometimes it's a pharmaceutical, sometimes it's a herb, sometimes, you know, it's, right. it can be so many different things. And, and I guess that's kind of what your book's about, isn't it, is finding 
finding the magic in the moments and the and the simple things around you and allowing them to inspire you and open yourself up to that. That's right. Yeah. All of that and more. There's there's even more. <laughs> yes, there is. Yeah. Uh, it's been such an absolute delight to chat with you today, Andrea. It's I feel like I've known you for a million years already and I just oh, met you today. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you, Susan. It really has. Thank you so much for 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 just allowing our conversation to go where it went and go as deep as it wanted to go. And it just feels like a huge gift. So thank you. Uh, Likewise. Thank you so much, Andrea. Now, can you share with everyone where they can find you on the interwebs? Cause I'd love them to connect with you and what you do. Yeah, it's, there's just one main place to go, which is andreashare.com. So A-N-D-R-E-A-S-C-H-E-R.com. And it's all over there. It's all there. The book, which they can pre-order. Exactly. Well, you take care and thank you so much. And thank you. We will catch up again at some point, I hope. I do too. All right, Andrea. Thanks. Thank you. You can always see more of my art over at susannethercote.com. And if you're interested in learning from me or checking out the podcast notes, you can find those over on susannethercutstudio.com. I love hearing your comments and feedback, so feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, then why not snap a screenshot and share it in your Instagram stories? Be sure to tag me at susan.nethercut so I can say hi. And if you've got a great idea for a future podcast episode or know someone who you think I should interview, then pop on over to susannethercutstudio.com forward slash podcast, hit the button in the header image to shoot me an email. Catch you next time.